Broadcasting live from the gates of Istfel on the plain of Kaldheim, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Graham. Joining me is Cameron. Hello. And Nelson. I'm still here. And today we are going to be talking about more Kaldheim previews. But first, a reminder that of course this show is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Do check out cardkingdom.com LRR. Put in the slash LRR on there. Let's them know that we sent you and... We continue to do that because we continue to think that Card Kingdom is great. They're great. And you should you should give them your business. And if not them, then us, because this show is also <laughs> brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. Kaldheim is uh it's shaping up to be some pretty pretty cool stuff. It I I main I continue to maintain that this set is absolutely dense with things. It's a January set that feels like a September set. Yeah. Ooh. It is. I I come I keep coming back to my description of it from last week of somebody's passion project D&D setting. Yeah. yeah. Right? This this call time feels like it had origins in a three-ring binder with lots of, like, maps of dungeons and just <laughs> maps in general. Does everyone make D&D settings like I do? Hopefully not. It's been a while, but yeah, like, it definitely involved a three-ring binder or it might have even been one of those, last time I made one, it might have been one of those, like, paper binder things where you have the little metal clip at the back and you have to put your three-hole punch pa- pages in, like, you know, maybe ten at a time, but not more than that and then mm. you close it and it like then it's, it's totally flat do you know what i'm talking about yeah, this is yeah, before yeah. your story i'm the oldest one here no 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 no, no 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 all right it's like a self a self-seating duotang <laughs> yeah 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 exactly anyways i i sometimes draw maps too otherwise how can you remember where stuff is but this has got everything it's got snow and sagas and changelings and a god that turns into a boat <laughs> it reminds me of innistrad and how it feels like oh there's like a lot of layers to this set and it's yeah. been it's clearly been brewing at Wizards for a long time. Like, obviously, you know, like Beta, we have, you know, Dwarven Warriors and Herloon Minotaur. And it's like, mm. there's certainly like a Barbarians, you know, vibe present in the original kind of setting on Dominaria, right? Like, that's part of the inspiration of high fantasy, right? It's like yeah. the Norse gods. And so wanting to give them their own set was probably kind of in the back of several people's minds for a long time. It, at least it seems like that from the cards we're seeing. Like there's just, yeah, so much stuff going on. One of the first things I wanted to talk about actually was in last episode, we were noting, Cameron especially was noting the the light in the sky mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. so many of the cards with the, I don't know why it's called this, but the, the sun dog effect of the, the, the glinting crystalline uh, lens flares almost. And it turns out that that is not a sun or a moon or a dog but that that is starnheim yes yes i i saw this as well this is the hall of the valkyries yeah it's the kaldheim valhalla essentially it's where you get to go if you've been a very very good i don't know elf berserker but whatever whatever your subtype yeah like apparently kaldheim has neither sun nor moon but the waning and waxing of of starnheim provides the day night cycle that's super cool i mean i guess it makes sense with kaldheim being like these 10 kingdoms all floating they they all exist around this world tree it's i don't actually know the physical geography and i don't need to you don't have to explain everything but yeah i I like the idea that that there is as you say there is no sun and moon but there is always starnheim i wonder if they've managed to like communicate that clear like i haven't checked i don't even know how i would check but it's like should all of the light in all of the the paintings for all of the cards be like a little different than other planes and that's got to be next to impossible i imagine for our team to like 
get across but you know at least if you check you can see like oh well there's no sun there's just starnheim and that that's mm-hmm. been true right we've noticed yeah as far as i'm aware there is no visible sun or moon on any of the cards that we've seen yeah and you would think that like it, it would always kind of be i don't know starnheim doesn't probably doesn't get as high in the sky as the sun right like is it a, mm. is it a plane of long shadows are we always in the golden hour right a good question yeah no maybe we're maybe we're gonna figure out an answer to my previous question that'd be incredible yeah Big kudos to the art team if there ends up being a clear answer to that question. We haven't seen a specific card of Starnheim itself yet, but there is a mythic white card with Fortell called Starnheim Unleashed, because you mentioned it's where the angels are from, or go, or you you go there and then you become an angel. I, I admit I'm not totally up to speed on the mythology, but it's Two white white for a sorcery. Create a 4-4 white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance. So base level, it's a cheaper Sarah angel. It's a Sarah angel for two white white. Okay, great. That sounds excellent. But if it was foretold, you create X of those tokens instead. So you pay your two to foretell it. You exile it face down. And then the foretell cost is XX white. So you pay your two. That's your sunk cost. And then when you cast it, you get a Sarah Angel for three or you get two for five. (laughs) Yeah. Let me be the first to declare Entreat the Valkyries. Yeah, Entreat the Valkyries. Absolutely. Yeah, that tracks. I'm sure you all thought of it first too, but here I am getting to sit on this podcast and say it. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's the advantage. Without having top in Legacy, are the Miracle decks still still going strong i haven't checked in on a legacy for years i haven't checked in actually for years now either i'm sorry legacy i really enjoyed it but then it just is very hard to keep a scene together and like mm-hmm. i couldn't i could i could only barely keep the threads of our legacy scene kind of going we used to have saturday night legacy at at yj and i i mean i only ever managed to afford to build one deck which was kind of like an outlier so i didn't have like a full fully built gauntlet we made one out of proxies but then it was again a lot of work to like keep that up season after season like keep the proxy decks going and then also we needed like a critical number of people to play anyways all this is to say i have not played legacy in quite a while so i don't know but yeah that card did used to get played yeah but speaking of cheaper sarah angels there's another card that's only four mana that i think is very impressive i was mentioning it on whenever last we met on the stream i think or in a meeting furia's retribution one generic two white and a black so four mana total a saga the first chapter is create a four four white angel warrior creature with flying vigilance so again a four mana four for flying vigilance not bad and the, the second saga is until end of turn angels you control gain tap destroy target creature with power less than this creature's power so that's pretty crazy it has a vigilance so on the turn it can attack the turn after this comes down you can get in for four and then even before blockers you could kill something wow like yeah like say that they only have one flying blocker you can just kill it it has to be less power so you know it's not gonna kill anything also there are more than one angel in the set yeah. like there are several angels kicking around yeah and you're in white so you could definitely just be playing cards that make your creatures power larger you're gonna have your mana back up now the turn after you've cast the retribution and then the third chapter is your angels gain double strike so maybe slap some what's that name of that really good maul from from zendikar in there or any other pump spell and go to town yeah it seems powerful you got a two-turn clock here somehow baby i guess is the is this going to be like the banalia saga from dominaria yeah it's there's there's a chance we'll be seeing a ton of this it's two colors <laughs> which is nice i think these all these sagas we've been saying they're two colors so they're not going to fit into everything they're not going to be as easy to put into decks as history of banalia or elspeth conquers death like those two sagas have seen a ton of play but we do have a full grip of pathways now that's true so that's cool yeah 
Should we talk about more sagas next? Sure. Let's talk about more sagas, like the battle for Bretagard. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Selesnia. So it's one green white, chapter one, create a one one white human warrior. Yeah, right. Chapter two, create a one one green elf warrior. All right. Chapter three, choose any number of artifact tokens and or creature tokens you control with different names. And for each of them, create a token that's a copy of it. So you can't choose like eight treasures because it has no. to be different names. It doesn't yeah. just double all your tokens. So like it's it's only three mana. It's three mana and two colors at rare. And so it's like, eh, you know, and it's like you cast it and you get a one one. And the next turn you get another one one, a different one one. But it's like, OK, it's not super exciting. But if you've set things up correctly, then on the next turn, then you get to go off. <laughs> yeah, no, I like this one for having the widest space. I, I want to say among like cards I've looked at in this set, it seems like the widest space between the floor and the ceiling. Yeah, it definitely does. Battle for Bredegard, tallest magic card we've seen yet. <laughs> yeah, like if your opponent just wraths you after you, you sing the second verse, well, I guess you're in trouble there. But that's probably true for most things. Yeah, I mean, even Prodigal Sorcerer, like <laughs> you play this, then I play Prodigal Sorcerer, and then if you don't have other tokens, it does like absolutely nothing. I can stone blanket. But if you come down and you've already played like, I don't know, a worm coil engine that died, say, or like one of those dragons that makes tokens or even just Armada Worm shenanigans, you know, then suddenly your three mana could be any number of power and toughness. Now, obviously, to my dismay, this next saga is green and blue, meaning that I could not play it in, say, an Ayula commander deck. It's the bears of, I'm going to say, Lit Yara. Oh, I can't wait for all the players and their pronunciations of these words. Yeah, look, I'm mm. happy to join the ranks of people that don't know how to say any of the names of the cards. I don't set. know if it's a hard J. I'm, I'm assuming kind of like, let, let's assume it's like the, the pronunciation of Mjolnir, you know, Master Chief's armor from Halo. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Majolner. Okay. Majolner. Majolner armor. We couldn't We couldn't just go with fjord, which is like also an English word that we just stole. Hey. Yeah. Fjord. Yeah. No, we can, we can go with the one that Bungie made up. Perfect. So it's one green blue for a saga. And the first one is you get a 2-2 blue shapeshifter with changeling because it's a shapeshifter and they all have changeling. So you get a 2-2. All right. Next turn, any number of target shapeshifter creatures you control, if you manage to get others somehow, have base power and toughness 4-4. Doesn't say end of turn. It's just they level up. Mm. That's, that is okay. unusual templating, but I'm here for it. Judges hate it. Yeah. Then on your next turn, choose up to one target creature or planeswalker. Each creature you control with power four or greater deals damage equal to its power to that permanent. I like the style of this card. Yeah, because you don't even need to... It doesn't need to be that shapeshifter. It doesn't specify shapeshifters. It's just any four power creatures. So if you've got three four power creatures, you get to deal... You could deal four damage to three things or 12 damage to one thing or split it up however you want you get to deal you get to throw around a bunch of damage yeah you, you probably get to you know bear punch something until it's gone tragically this card doesn't interact with mutavault in the way that you might like you can make a mutavault a creature in response to the bear's second chapter but then the next time you activate it it's going to become a 2-2 again oh right because it's activated ability is be a 2-2 right 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 but yeah cool card what do you think about george rr R. martin's battle of frost and fire <laughs> i wanted to talk about that one next yeah yeah three blue red 
Chapter one deals four damage to each non-giant creature and each planeswalker. So I hope you've got some giants or some big creatures. Chapter two, a relatively restrained scry three. Chapter three, whenever you cast a spell with converted mana cost five or greater this turn, draw two cards, then discard a card. This one I feel has the power up front. Yeah, we're playing this mostly for its first chapter, which is a sign of a really strong saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of characteristic of Elspeth Conquer's death as well, right? Yeah, like, yeah for sure. You blast something and then you, know, you get on with the story. But the, the first chapter was really exciting. This, though, I really kind of like, I mean, you, you made the comparison to Game of Thrones. And uh, I feel that this follows the same dramatic kind of arc of many of their seasons where you open strong. And then you have like a little bit of like pieces moving around on a chessboard and then something just completely like gif worthy happens in the last episode or two right that third chapter could definitely be a red wedding or you know yeah like a battle of the bastards yeah or the or the battle of the east guard or whatever or battle for castle black or something like that yeah there's yeah some, there's yeah. some wild turns you can have with that triggered ability <laughs> i like it i'd also like to just talk about carter's vicious return which is the rakdos saga for two black mm. red chapter one reads you may sacrifice a creature when you do carter's vicious return deals three damage to any target so you can see why i'm kind of interested in this mm-hmm. chapter two each player discards a card chapter three return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield put a plus one plus one counter on it it gains haste until your next turn so like this at uncommon this feels about right uh this is not like a super powerhouse but it makes me happy because it points to the presence of my favorite creature synergy archetype in magic the aristocrats yeah, yeah this, this card definitely looks strong i like it yeah yeah no I, I mean i'm going to enjoy playing this i'm this feels like a very good signpost uncommon for limited players, right? I would first pick this and then build around it. I'd just like to talk about one more, also a red saga, just spoiled recently at, at time of recording anyway, by Death Sea, or previewed, should I say previewed. Arnie slays the troll. Now, there's a couple reasons I like it. The first one is the name. You know, I grew up on these Arnold Schwarzenegger movies as a kid. You know, <laughs> that's where I got my toxic man masculinity. You know, it's like, that's where I learned all of the things that we all have to try and unlearn, along with <laughs> lots of other good things. But anyways, Arnie slays the troll. Pretty, pretty great shout out there only one green and one red two ma- two mana saga target creature you control fights up to one target creature you don't control its first chapter so this is only one more mana for a prey upon and then in the second chapter we're getting a red mana back so it's like prey upon again it's free you get a red mana and then put two plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature you control that's a lot of power and toughness out of a support yeah. spell those are counters they stick around yeah and then the third one is you gain life equal to the greatest power among creatures you control so definitely out with a whimper there and most of the power is up front here we're going to remove your creature then we're going to make our creature bigger I mean, I like that it ramps us and makes our creature bigger in the second saga. Like if you're in a creature versus creature match, you play Arnie, then, you know, you get to remove their piece and that's really important. Then you make your piece bigger in a creature versus creature match. They probably have a removal spell in response to your plus two and two plus one plus one counters. So don't expect to always get there on that one. And then the life gain might not matter no matter what. But I like that it's like the first saga matters for the matches where you're up against the other decks with with cheap spells and then the second saga is like okay if you're up against blue eye control it's like well i'm going to make my mana dork a problem so you have to answer that one too and you get to deliver a sick one-liner when you flop this exactly right like you play arnie slays the troll and then say your luggage <laughs> right as you just blow away like a crocodile and tailor to whatever's being killed right i mean like show a little creativity here people yeah maybe they pump in response and you're like oh it wasn't a tuma <laughs> And no matter what, after the third chapter, you just get to run with, I'll be back. 
<laughs> All you have to do is play another one. We we here at Tap Tap concede salute whoever named Arnie Slays the Troll. You think this is the real Cinderheart Giant? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Ooh, the, the niche total recall. Very nice. I For some reason, you think this is the real Quaid. Extended pause. It is. W- came up a lot in like years ago among folks i was hanging out with of all the arnold schwarzenegger lines to quote that's funny my the one that lives for free in my mind from total recall is and i always think it's welcome to the party richter but it's i i tried to google it the other day and it's see you at the party richter oh yeah it's one of those luke i'm your father moments yeah yeah exactly what's the one where he tears off michael ironside's arms in total recall what does he say then I don't remember. Sorry. It's going to bother me. Total week recall we Yeah, total recall rewatch. We watch Waita? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is now we're we're just going to put on total recall right now. Yeah. If you yeah, sync at, you know, start the awesome Basil Pal- Polidorus soundtrack at the sound of the clap. I googled total recall quotes and i can't find it oh no i also had a frustrating time googling total recall quotes recently the top pick for total recall quotes was not like a super useful page but yeah in all seriousness i'd rewatch total recall i also would like to talk about these incredible into play tapped tap for a color don't have land types lands they they come into play tapped and they don't have land types and they don't add more than one different color but they do all cast awesome spells like yeah they're all like five or six men are they all five mana i think so and i think they all follow the same sort of pattern yeah of mana right two of the off color right yeah <laughs> so we were broadcasting this week from gates of istfel which enters tapped and taps for a white and for two and a white and a blue and a blue and tap and sacrifice it you gain two life and draw two cards yeah like these are and then the, like that's very good obviously the red one not full slumber mount Oh man, I'm not going to get tired of saying that. Not Vold Slumber Mound. Not Vold Slumber Mound again. <laughs> Into play tapped and it taps for red. Pay three generic. Oh, sorry. This one's more expensive, actually. They did play with it a bit. Most of them are five. This one is six. And it's also tap it. So you got to remember that the five is really like six lands. This one's seven lands. But you pay three generic, a red, and two green. Sacrifice it and destroy target land. And also create a 4 4 green troll warrior creature token with trample. Mm. The black one shrinks a creature and makes two one ones. Or sorry, that's the green one. It's green black, but it taps for a green. And then the there's there's two, I guess, for each color, right? The, yeah, there's two for each color. Right. So the Golgari one, I guess. Yeah. The uh, Boros one goes and finds an aura or an equipment and puts it in your hand. That one's actually only four. So they're mostly five, but it looks like they're they tweaked them slightly. And then I'm not sure what the the is it one has also been previewed. Yeah, it's scries two and pyroclasms and pyroclasms excuse me yeah exactly yeah so they're all like very good you know things to do if you're flooded which is a great you know thing for the designers to always be working on and it has been a big project of magic it's it's neat you can can sort of look through the years and it's like well sometimes i draw too few lands and sometimes i draw too many lands and it's still a problem today and the designers are always always working not it's not evident in every single set but oftentimes you see you know like cycling and creature lands and kicker is even one like you know if you have the mana to pay the kicker then you get two spells out of this card instead of just one and yeah this cycle of spell lands i think is a great additional chapter to the the book of how to deal with being flooded i feel that they've also learned the lesson of the desert the red desert ramanap ruins in that the in that certland Frostfire can't go to the dome right uh smart speaking of the boros or as an equipment deck i just want to talk about this card i just saw in the spoiler page that i hadn't seen prior to like just now reckless crew oh yeah that card looks sweet three and a red for a sorcery create x two one red dwarf berserker creature tokens 
where X is the number of vehicles you control plus the number of equipment you control. And for each of those tokens, you may attach equipment you control to it. So yeah, yeah. it's a bit of a mouthful, but yeah. it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. They don't get haste, which is probably a good thing, but you can just be like, I play this equipment. I play this equipment. I play this vehicle. I play this vehicle. Now I get four two ones and I, these ones get to hold these equipment. And then this one can crew this vehicle. The vehicle can attack you right away. You know, it's just sort of like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, I definitely yeah. think like they, they work better next to the vehicles because the vehicles have haste. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you can also attach equipment to them and then like punch above their weight for crewing vehicles. Like, I guess, I don't know. Yeah. The axe is on is on the helm, right? Speaking of vehicles, there's two that I'd like to talk about briefly. One that I teased earlier. So the first one, Funeral Longboat. What do we make of this? It's common. It's two mana. It's a three, three with vigilance. And the crew is only one. It seems appropriate. I don't think they're going to ban it from standard. <laughs> yeah. But it seems just like reliable. Yeah. I like it, right? Like I don't mind swinging on turn three with this. Yeah. I think without any evasion, I'm at, you know, I'm vaguely hopeful that this card could get reprinted in future sets and be a good like benchmark vehicle. The mm-hmm. crew is as cheap as can be. The mana cost is about as cheap as can be. The body is okay. It's going to be relevant in the early game, really relevant probably. And then in the mid game, it might slow down in relevance a little bit. And then it's got an ability that's nice. Yeah, like I feel vigilance is an undervalued keyword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's neat building limited strategies that sort of rely on vigilance, right? Yeah, I feel that at some point this card may have had some kind of clause like Vodalian War Machine from Fallen Empires, right? Where it's like if Funeral Longboat is destroyed, anything crewing it is destroyed. Maybe it was cheaper. But yeah, like, you know, it, it, I, I like it. I, I agree with Nelson that this feels like a good benchmark. Mm-hmm. And like from what play I, I i did in kaladesh remastered you know sky skiff was good and and i won many games with sky skiff and sky skiff is kind of comparable it has one less power but does have flying and only crews one so it's still two mana crew one one less power but it has that all important evasion and sky skiff wasn't you know it wasn't always a game breaker in that format there's plenty of answers to it and, and the race wasn't really quick or anything it certainly it didn't feel like copter when you had sky skiff right it's like one less power to begin with and then also you can't just always dig into your removal spells for your opponent's flyers and this is like yeah i mean they'll always be able to block it if they have a creature so it's not usually going to be game breaking but just just solid looks fine the other vehicle i wanted to talk about uh, i mentioned at the top of the show is the god that turns into a boat Mm -hmm. so kosima or kosima god of the voyage is two and a blue for a two four god at the beginning of your upkeep you may exile kosima if you do it gains whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control if kosima is exiled you may put a voyage counter on it if you don't return kosima to the battlefield with x plus one plus one counters on it and draw x cards where x is the number of voyage counters on it so you can play it as a two four for three then on your next upkeep, send it away. And then the longer it stays on its voyage, <laughs> the more bounty it will eventually return with. Like, I, I love this. I don't know if it's good. It feels good. It's so weird, but I love it's it. It's like a weirdo card, and I love it. I, I kind of really enjoy what they've done with blue here, where instead of trying to force an idea of, like, high fantasy scholarship onto a viking setting they have found the expression of like curiosity and intellectualism in the viking setting instead and that manifests as like exploration and challenging the gods basically i i don't know i just like that a lot it has so many words on it and the ability is so unique it feels like an ice age card (laughs) (laughs) valid 
there's a lot of, I mean, you know, snow is the obvious one, but I think there's a lot of interesting parallels to sort of the the feel of Ice Age anyway. Thankfully not cumulative upkeep. There's Yeah, there's separate distinct tribes too. Yeah. Yeah. But the, so the vehicle aspect, yes, it's a modal double face card. And on the back of Cosima, the other option is the Omen Keel, which is just a great name. It's one in a blue for a 3-3 vehicle that also crews for one. So, you know, two mana for a 3-3 with crew one, just like the longboat. Just another longboat. But this says, whenever a vehicle you control deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles that many cards from the top of their library. You may play lands from among those cards for as long as they remain exiled. Yeah. So it's cool that it has a synergy with the front side, too. Also, this is a weird, you know, milling you and casting your spells ability that we haven't seen before, where you only get to play the lands. Oftentimes you can't play the lands Mm -hmm. or you can play whatever you want. And every now and then you're like, actually, you have to have the mana to cast the spells you exile, too. It doesn't even fix your mana, which normally is how we see it now. But this one just lets you only play the lands, which is fascinating. Yeah, it's a weird distinction, too, that it's not when this deals damage. It can be other things, but those other things must be vehicles and... If two vehicles hit in the same turn, then that ability will happen twice. And it's that many cards. It's equal to the damage, too. Like, each point of damage is is milling them. I want to see a mill strategy built around hitting them with vehicles, even though you'd probably kill them with damage first. I mean, we might just see at least one or two of these in the blue-black rogue deck, which is already a real thing in standard. And kind of a thing in historic, too, actually. Mm. That card from Throne of Eldraine that counts how many cards are in the opponent's library and then can like kill or counter a spell equal or less than that on the lock, mm-hmm. along with the the rogues that care about milling from Zendikar has has been proven a, a real player in standard. That's a real deck. So this this card helps to mill, so it might do that. Or on the other side, it could maybe be like a, re, a rebuild, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a big draw mm-hmm. spell. So may, maybe some people will try this out. I, I cannot tell at all whether this card is like a competitive constructed card. Well, like it's it's quite interesting, right? Because Cosima can't be interacted with while they're on their voyage, right? Like they're they're pretty unassailable out there. So I really like it as kind of a backstop and a, re- a rebuild card. Yeah, I don't know unless for some reason you said to Neldrazi to eat them. I guess that would work. I guess it could also be Cosima could be really strong in like a big Simic uh, ramp strategy, which is often a real deck too because if you can just get more and more lands into play then you can kind of go off with this trigger right <laughs> i feel like i need to read this card like three more times before i even really get what it does like how, how many lands do you need to play to feel good about bringing cosima back from their voyage right do you just I, like slam or you know on turn four you play this then slam a land right or no it's at the beginning of your upkeep yeah okay. first you have to untap with with it right also yeah on the art on the front side is is the god the oh okay all right in one of the pictures there's only by the way get the showcase frame of this you can it's way prettier in the regular though there's just one figure but in the showcase i'm like is cosima the person in the boat or are they the turtle or the dolphin or whatever that is the dolphin yeah his weird name for a dolphin yeah exactly well i mean maybe it's not maybe that's a totally normal weird name or totally normal dolphin name yeah. i do i also want to talk about the name actually so we saw a phyrexian praetor has like randomly come to this set and i don't know all the lore there and like what what their deal is but kosi is the name that the merfolk gave to kozilek on zendikar and this person's name is kosima so i don't know maybe there's a connection there maybe not about to bust this whole thing wide open yeah i'm ready yeah inspector nelson's here getting ready to solve the case 
Let me just search this the clue token in this room and find out where the Aldrazi horror is hiding. I want to talk about one card because I'm curious what you both make of it. Also because I think that it looks like it's from a completely different set, partly because of just its creature type and partly because of the great art by Wayne Reynolds, but it just kind of makes it look like it's from a different magic set. So it's Scorn Effigy, and it's a Scarecrow. So, you know, all those people out there with Scarecrow tribal commander decks all 12 of you i mentioned the lorwyn connection last week yeah it does look a little bit like a lorwyn thing but it also reminds me of like i don't know like mirrodin like pre you know older mirrodin i don't know it's again i think it's mostly the wayne reynolds art so it's a three mana two three artifact creature right like that's it it's not (laughs) super exciting but it has foretell so you can pay two and exile it face down and then cast it later for its foretell cost. And its foretell cost is zero. I wonder if this limited environment is going to let us play one or two fewer lands than normal. Maybe just one fewer. If you have like a certain number of foretell cards, you might be able to do that, especially ones like this, like any any two mana to pay the foretell and then zero more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely this card, you know, poster child for your curve is going to be OK, buddy. You know, like we we got this. This this draft deck has a plan. We're gonna we're gonna put some creatures into play. We're gonna attack our opponent. Speaking of cheating on mana, can we briefly talk about? I'm not sure if we have a real name for it yet, but the Scryfall name is Writing Werewolf Fanfix. It's two green for an enchantment, green, green. And it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may cast a permanent spell with converted mana cost equal to one plus the highest converted mana cost among other permanents you control from your hand without paying its mana cost. If you don't scry one, I actually don't know what the word other means here. I'm guessing it means other than this enchantment, not other than the card in question, because that's a spell, not a permanent you control. Right. So it should, you do need to have another permanent in play. It can't count itself. I believe that's how it means, what it means. Yeah. Right. So it can't count itself. So you can't, oh darn. Because when I first read this card, what I wanted to do, what I assumed you could do is on turn two, you play this. And then on turn three, you can just play a three drop for free because this is a permanent and it's CMC two and then it's two plus one and you know you get to do that. But it's other permanents, so you don't get to do that. But you do get at least a one drop for free for free because it doesn't say non-land permanent. So you'll have a land in play. Oh, okay. So you get to put a one drop into play if you have a one drop that you haven't played yet on turn three, right? I mean, turn one, maybe you had a tap land and then turn two, you decide to go with this. So in worst case, you get to scry at least. Yeah. it's an enchantment and there's still the theros block in standard so like it's gonna yeah you're probably like drawing a card off of this right maybe yeah right so i don't know maybe it's busted like it looks a little bit like fires of invention right like gets gives you the free spells yeah the free spells the busted we gotta ban them in standard is this kind of like pod or um uh, uh uh other thing that wasn't pod yeah. Yeah, the you know, the 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 normal way of doing this, you re-sacrifice a creature and get a bigger one. Yeah, birthing pod. Birthing pod. But there's another one. There's Prime Speaker Vanifar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But no, I, I really like this. I think this is interesting, especially because the art has our squirrel friend on it. Oh yeah. And a bunch of like big ribbons. Wait, are those ribbons all just the squirrel's tail? They are. Yes. Wow. Is this that specific squirrel or is this just what Kaldheim squirrels look like? I hope that's not too much a pain to wash. Like you have a bath, you get your fur clean, you get all your whiskers clean, and then you've got this big long ribbon. And once it gets wet, it's just so heavy. Mm-hmm. And things can like catch it. And Tosky yeah. just constantly getting like eaten by owls because, you know, their 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 tail is sticking out. Yeah. Like, yeah, it gets wrapped around stuff and takes forever to untangle. You need to enlist the help of a big gray wolf. 
just to pull your tail out of a big oak knot or something. I assume Toski is basically like the, the, the narrator of the plane, right? Like that's what I'm getting from this. Absolutely. Right? Kind of like a Nicodemus from uh, right. Secrets of Nim. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Not crucial to the story, but there, you know, and letting you know what's happening. I also just wanted to briefly mention that, hey, if you got to play Omniscience Draft or Radical Allegiance Draft this week, I hope you had fun. I did. If you haven't tried Omniscience Draft on Arena, be sure to check it out next time you get there. It's the best way to let your gems on fire. It's definitely, yeah, It's if you uh, win the flip, you, you have a much better shot at winning. Okay, pro, very quick pro tip for Omniscience Draft. Take bombs and cards that draw cards. That's all you need. I don't even recommend taking bombs. No? Just... <laughs> Just take cards with four power or more so that your Garrick's Uprising works. It's going to be a different set next time we do Omniscient Strap, but this one was particularly degen. Uh, <laughs> common, you have a draw three. So so there's just a lot of turn one wins because at Uncommon, you had a draw two, they discard two, which is just like the best card ever invented for Omniscient Strap. Omniscient Strap Icoria was pretty wild with Boon of the Wishgiver. Oh, nice. I missed that one or maybe only yeah. got one game in or something. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty nuts too. Uh, that's going to do it for talking about Kaldheim this week because we need to go and prepare to play Kaldheim this week. This Friday, this coming Friday, is the Kaldheim pre-pre-release live on twitch.tv slash loadingreadyrun and on this very YouTube channel as soon as we can after the fact, assuming you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to the audio version, hi, we also like you. And you should go watch the PPR on one of those two platforms I just mentioned. It's going to be great. We're doing a whole sealed event. We've got a lot of fun video content planned. And it, it should be a fun day. We are really looking forward to getting our hands on on playing these cards. Obviously, it's all still mono loading ready run at this time. But we're going to be we're going to be trying a throwback to one of the earliest PPRs in that we're doing a, a tournament bracket. And we'll see how that goes. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. It's only going to be awkward if Kathleen and I make it to the finals because we're playing at the same desk. <laughs> so we'll figure that out. Insert rude joke about you don't have to worry about that, Graham. Exactly. Yeah, no, Kathleen will be fine on her own making it to the finals without me. But that's going to do it for this week on Tap Tap Concede. Until next time, please remember to check out Card Kingdom at cardkingdom.com slash LRR or patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Thank you always so much. Until next time, I have been Graham. Joining me has been Cameron. Goodbye. And Nelson. Thanks for listening. Happy call time preview season. James was running the card reader. Jordan edits these. Heather does podcast admin. And we will talk to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.